0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we're going to talk about the different investing philosophies from one of the great investors here in the Silicon Valley Bay area, and how he is making seven figures a year. So first things first, let's talk about buying criteria. If you've been a flipper or you've been to some seminars, they tell you that the formula for buying a property is very simple. You just need to put in a bid at 65% of ARV minus your construction costs. So what that means is if you think your house can sell for a million dollars after being repaired, that's what ARV stands for, after repair value, then you should put in a bid of no more than 65% of that, which is $650,000 minus your repair costs. So if it costs another seventy-five grand to repair, then your maximum bid is $575,000. I have a problem with that. I think those numbers work really well when the property value is around $200,000. But when you're talking about a million dollar price point, it's hard to get that kind of a spread. And what happens is you end up not pulling the trigger on many deals because they don't satisfy this golden rule. So instead of that, His buying criteria is to just get a set amount of profit. For example, he would say, I want at least $50,000 per deal. I want at least $100,000 for this kind of deal. Or he would say, I want 10% of the ARV as profit. So if the property will eventually sell for $2 million, then for his time and effort, he doesn't want anything less than a profit of $200,000 off a $2 million sell point. And he's not your typical investor. He doesn't just send letters to probate or people who are delinquent on their taxes, people who are about to get evicted, not sorry, not evicted. People who are about to get foreclosed, he doesn't go for the foreclosure list. What he does is he looks for regular people. And they're not motivated sellers. They're just people who used to live in their home they have a lot of equity, and they don't mind selling their house for a little bit less so do they don't have to worry about cleaning up their home when they sell it. So instead of finding motivated sellers, he looks for motivated buyers in the sense that in this market, there are so many people and so little housing that people still buy homes for much more than they are listed for. So he looks at what they look for. What can appeal to a general audience? What do they want? And what can the home sell for? So you look at comps in the neighborhood. Comps are comparables. So for a three-bedroom, two-bath, it sells for 1.5. Then he thinks that his three-bed, two-bath will also sell for about 1.5. He also makes a profile. Who is my buyer? Is it the guy who just graduated from college? Probably not. They're either looking to rent or just buy a small condo. Now what about the super CEO with tens of millions of dollars. Probably not him either. They don't want just a $1 million home. So his target market is probably an engineer. Maybe he's married. So there's two of them. And they probably have a combined salary of about $400,000 a year. Someone with a combined salary of $400,000 a year, they can definitely afford a $1 to $1.5 million home. No problem. So he says, don't make your stuff super unique. Some places like to paint their doors yellow or have some interesting flair. But you only have one buyer for that kind of property. You want something more general that can get multiple offers. So you want something more general that appeals to a lot of different people. Case in point, there is a property that is really, really famous in the Silicon Valley Bay area. And that was the Flintstones house over on the way to San Francisco. And that house is super unique. It looks just like the Flintstones home. But when it came time to sell it, that property sat on the market for almost a whole year before finally selling at a much lower price than they originally put it at. And because that house is so unique, only a certain buyer would want it. So on top of buying something very general, you also want to buy in good areas. Because... When a recession hits, the good areas maintain their value, whereas the bad areas get hurt the most, and those are the ones that quickly lose value, and you can get burned the most of those. So when it comes to getting leads, there's two big ones that he does. One is direct mail, and the other is using agents. So let's talk about direct mail first. So direct mail is when you hire a postage company, and you just send out a bunch of letters to People. So let's say 10,000 letters, each one at 80 cents, that's $8,000. And it sounds like a lot, but think about it. If you make one really good deal, that will pay for your letters for the entire year. So he says, You want to buy with people with a lot of equity in their home. And you can find this list through a title company. Basically, you just call a random title company, tell them that you are an investor, and that you want to get a list. Um, They're usually very nice about it and they'll send you this list and they'll filter it out for you. You say, I want people who have a lot of equity in their homes. So it probably means that they've been in their homes for a very long time. My personal favorite, it just says someone who's been in their homes for over 25 years. You can also filter by zip codes. So for example, you know this one zip code has a lot of wealthy people or have really good schools then you could say, I only want properties in these certain zip codes. When you send out direct mail, you're basically shotgunning your approach. When you cast your net, you're going to catch a lot of things you don't want. And that includes hate calls. When you call, when you send someone a piece of mail that says, I want to buy your home, some people get very offended by it, especially if you're sending it to an older person and their child, who is now an adult, receives that letter. They will think that you're harassing their parent and they might call you and they might cuss you out. And this happened to me before, happened to all of my friends. But if you can't stomach the hate calls, then I recommend that you partner with someone who can. Partners in this business are incredibly valuable. And the more partners you have, yes, you do get less money per deal, but you get more deals. So in the end, it all works out. And your goodwill gets shared towards everyone. So the second one is agents. So agents have things called pocket listings. And a pocket listing is when their client doesn't want to put their property on the market for who knows whatever reason. Maybe they're a hoarder house and they're too embarrassed to put on the market or they can't afford to clean it up. So what you need to do is you need to incentivize the agents. You need to make them want to work with you instead of any other investor. So basically what people do is they do something called triple dipping. When you buy the property from the agent In this fashion, you usually promise them, okay, when I buy the property, you will also represent me as the buyer. So they're already representing the seller and they will represent you as the buyer. That's two commissions right there. And then you guarantee the listing after you're done flipping the home. So that's three commissions on one property. Sometimes you can even promise them 1% of the sales price as an incentive, like as a bonus. So to recap, the typical buying criteria of 65% of ARV minus repair costs doesn't really work here in the Bay Area, and it makes you lose out on a lot of deals. Sometimes your best buyers will be other investors. What you can do is you can purchase a property, and without doing any work to it, you can put it back on the market. Or you could put it on something called TAN, the Top Agents Network. Sometimes other investors go on the Top Agents Network, which is technically not the market, and they'll think that because it's off-market, it's a good deal. And they may pay you higher than if you put it on the market yourself. So that's something to be careful of. Just because it's off-market doesn't mean it's always a good deal. Anyways, I hope that helped you out. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sean. And I'll see you guys next time.